Well, we've been in this series in 1 Peter, and we've been looking at this idea of being uncommon, right? Uncommon. This idea that God has called us in many ways to be different than the world, to be not quite the status quo, called us actually to be uncommon. And I pray that this series has, has, has been a blessing to you. And I pray that it has changed some things and the way you might look at some things in your life. And last week we talked about this idea of holiness, right? We, had, we talked about this idea of God calls us to be holy. He says, be holy as I am holy. And what that means and how that can cause you in your life when you start to look at that to to kind of think about hmm, holy is not common holy is not something that is prevalent i would say in the world and as we watch newscasts and we look at our neighbors and we watch people act in this world holiness is not something that is leading the day holiness is uncommon and how god has called us to be holy, set apart. We, we, we defined it last week as being set apart, holy. And now we move into part three of the message series, and we're looking at the book of 1 Peter, and we're pulling out some high points in the in throughout the book of 1 Peter. Remember who wrote 1 Peter? Peter, right. Not real hard to figure out on that one. Um, God wasn't trying to pull a fast one when he put in the book of 1 Peter in the canon of Scripture, Peter wrote the book of 1 Peter. And as as we dig in a little bit more, and as we work our way through this, this man's life and this letter, I want to I drill down on a couple of key words in 1 Peter. If I had to ask you this morning, and remember a lot of these uh, these sermons and these messages are not... Uh, specifically a monologue, right? They're a bit of a dialogue. So this is yes, this is no. And a couple of amens would be nice once in a while, and I'm not ashamed to ask for them. Thank you. (laughs) Right? If I asked you, though, how many of you would be absolutely excited and overwhelmed with anticipation if, if you realized that God Himself was calling you to do something specifically. I wonder how many of you would say, you know what, I'm in. I'm all in. Whatever God has for me, however it needs to happen, however it disrupts my life, I am all in. I need to know what God's calling me to and I need to do it. I wonder how many would say, oh, pastor, I'm in. I'm all in. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is how God is going to call you or set you apart to do something that is, in fact, uncommon. And as I started reading through the book of First Peter over and over again, what I did was, I, and I always do, I kind of look for common themes, right? And I would encourage you to do this when you read in your quiet time, uh, when you read over the scriptures. Look for these common themes that seem to pop up throughout individual books as you read them. And, and you, one thing that kind of came up to the surface as I read First Peter 
is, is this idea um, that, that Peter uses the same word or the same type of word throughout the book many, 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 many times. So many times it was actually obvious what he was trying to say in this book. And he uses this word call or calling or called over and over and over again. And whenever you recognize that you've been chosen or called to do something, uh, it builds sort of an anticipation and it emboldens you, right? It gives you, wow, you would, God, you would call me or even when someone calls you and asks you to do something that only you can do or that you kind of specialize in. You know, you kind of feel like, oh, I'm needed, right? We talked a little bit on Wednesday night. If you're not here on Wednesday night, you missed it. But on Wednesday night, we talked a little bit about what this idea of worth is in someone's life. And you feel kind of worthy, worth something. When someone calls you because you have a certain skill set or you just own a truck and we need to move, that kind of thing, right? How many, right? Pickup truck owners, right? Can you help me move this weekend for the third time? Right. Aaron, if you're listening, we're not doing it again, brother. Um, but it, 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 it kind of gives you this emboldened, you know, like, hey, you know what, that's kind of, it's kind of cool. It empowers you a little bit, right? When you're called and needed, you're sort of called when someone calls you to do something. Um, I was starting to think about that. And, and the only thing I could think about, one of the things I could think about in my own life was, and my, my daughter is, is doing this as well. Um, I was part of, and I was called on because of an experience that I had when I was in high school. See, I had taken three years of photography, right? Yeah, I was that kid, all right? Yeah. Another math? No, no, no. English class? Extra English? Extra reading? No thanks. <laughs> Is there something else I can sign up for? Photography. I'm in. <laughs> Guys, it's lonely up here this morning. What in the world? So I'm called, so I, I have this experience, so I was, I was asked, I, I, I joined the yearbook team, right? Yeah, yearbook and photography. I was an overachiever. Give me the easiest stuff I can do, please. So my senior year, my junior and senior year, I was on the yearbook team, right? The yearbook. We put together the yearbook. And, and, and because I had this experience in photography classes, I was recruited or asked to be part of the photography team in the yearbook, right? Whoa. You know, I, I decided I would, okay, I'll go for it. Thanks for calling me and asking me that, right? So I would be asked to, to take pictures for the yearbook. I got, you know, uh, traveling with the sports teams. I got to go, you know, photos around campus, uh, getting the behind-the-scenes photos and things like that. But, but there was something to that. I was, I was asked to do something that I kind of specialized in, right? I was called. They said, you know what, we need your help in this. And I kind of emboldens you. It empowers you a bit to think, oh, all right, cool. And there's something about being, uh, being assigned to do something that just kind of creates this anticipation and emboldenment, empowerment. And I want to show you today, and we're going to talk a little bit about, I'm setting the groundwork, all right? We're going to talk a little bit about today that you are called to do something. You're called to do something uncommon, in fact. And we talk about calling. A lot of times people wonder, what am I called to do? As a pastor, God knows I have that question asked of me several times throughout the year. God, what am I? I feel like I'm, I'm called to do something, called to do this, called to do that. And some people wonder, what am I called to do? What does God want me to do in this life or even in this church? And I want to show you, first of all, three different types of calling, and we'll get there. Uh, we'll get through all these three, and we'll get to the scripture, and this will all make sense to you. Amen? Amen. So I appreciate that. 
three different types of calling that I sort of came upon, and, and we'll talk specifically today about the third type. But the first type, if you're a note taker, go ahead and write this down. You know the rest. The first type of calling is what I would call an eternal call to Christ. All right? An eternal call to Christ. Basic stuff. Christianity 101. In fact, the Holy Spirit right now is doing a work in this service and in churches just like this all over the world right now. He's, the Holy Spirit is doing a work in this church, in this world, winning people, wooing people, drawing people, creating a spiritual hunger for spiritual things because it's God will that, God's will that no one should perish. And God wants everyone to say yes to this extended invitation of grace right through Jesus Christ so Peter writes about calling we said he knew what it was like to be called by Jesus it's an eternal call to Christ if you know the story um, in Luke chapter 5 Peter was fishing one day same Peter and he wasn't catching anything and a rabbi walks up to him and he says hey throw your nets on the other side remember some of these some of you Sunday school classes VBS kids you remember this story Jesus comes and he says, hey, throw your nets on the other sides. And and Peter's thinking, you know what? Hey, look, I'm a fisherman. You teach, I fish. That's kind of how this is. But you know what? He did it in any way. He did it anyway. And he caught such a miraculous catch of fish, if you remember, that he recognized that this was no ordinary man. Uh, He recognized this was a holy man, a holy, holy person. Peter fell down to his knees and, and right before Jesus and said, get away from me. I'm a sinful person. He recognized he was in the presence of holiness. And Jesus said to Peter, hey, from now on, you're no longer just going to catch fish. But now you're going to be a fisher of men. Remember that story? And he said, come and follow me. Remember that. Jesus called Peter out of where he was to be a follower of Jesus. He called Peter out. In fact, when, when, uh, when someone is ordained, especially uh, in the United States in the church of the Nazarene, they, they present you with a, uh, a miniature, I haven't, I should have brought it. That's actually at home. Um, a miniature sculpture. And, and it's this, he's in the fishing boat and Jesus is there extending his hand. And, and that's, it's called the call. And so when you're called, Jesus calls Peter out of his fishing, out of his common, ordinary day to day. And he calls him to something uncommon, he says, you're not going to just be a fisherman of fish, but you're going to fish for men. And Peter knew clearly that, that we were called, right? Peter writes in, in 1 Peter now, we are called to leave our own desires. We're called to devote our lives to following Christ. There's an eternal call to follow Christ. The second thing is there, there is a temporary call to an assignment, uh, a second type of call, if you will. It's what a lot of people really get fired up and excited about, especially when they talk to me. Uh, This is like a a temporary call to an assignment. You you might feel called to a particular role in your life or in the church. You feel called to study a particular subject in college. You feel called to be a nurse. You feel called to be a teacher. You feel called to be a witness, maybe, wherever you are. It's this calling to an assignment. You feel called to go on a mission trip. You feel called to a certain part of the world to make a difference. You feel called to help out or to start a ministry in a local body, a local church like here. It's a temporary call to an assignment. And I want to talk to you today about about 
this these types of calling. But I really want to want to dive in or dig into this last one. It's something that God's calling you to, a daily call to a different standard. A daily call to a different standard. Our God, the God of the universe, is calling you to live daily by a different standard. Something that's not common, if you will. A very uncommon thing in the world today. And when we talk about calling, we often think of, what am I called to do, right? What am I called to do? But God starts with the who before he gets to the do. God starts with the who before the do. You get it? Our God is more concerned with who you are before he's concerned with what you do. Because if the who is not right, the do will never be right. Follow me. God's concerned about motives and heart and integrity. He's concerned with the who. Who. And that leads to the do. I like to say it this way. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. When you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Peter was writing to a group of first century believers. Remember, we talked about them. And these first century believers would have been tempted to forget who they are. I mean, they were under severe persecution. And and they were actually blamed for a lot of things by the emperor. We talked about that. And they didn't actually do what they what they said he did. But these people would be tempted to just throw in the towel. Because they were actually beginning to be hated and persecuted in the culture. You think that Christians are, are sort of hated in our, our part of the world today? It's nothing compared to the persecution that they suffered. And this first century of believers. We talked a little bit about that, but we'll talk even more about it next week. But one of the things about that society is that they just had no idea who Jesus' followers really were. They were only going on hearsay and what people have told them about who and what Jesus' followers really were. Their misunderstanding might be almost comical to us today if we really were to dig in. You know, they, they were, there was a common idea in the skeptical world about Jesus' followers that they were, and this is the absolute truth, you can look this up throughout history, that they were superstitious, they were incestuous, and they were cannibals. This is true. That got some people's attention. This is what the early, early people in this first century believed about the Christian people. That these were, these were superstitious, incestuous cannibals. They thought superstitious because they believed oh, there were all these miracles going on. And so they must be like magicians. Or, or How did this happen? And Jesus was like the chief magician. How was this going on? We don't understand this. And they actually, actually thought that Christians were incestuous because they had these things called love feasts. If you look in the first century. Come to my agape feast. Wanted to show the love of God. The believers knew what was going on, but the world outside would look at these love feasts. And who do you think came or were invited to these love feasts? Their brothers and sisters, they would refer to them, in Christ. And that was like, wait a second, you're inviting your brothers and sisters to your love feast? You guys are weird. The world would look on and say, you guys, are. this is not right. And they actually thought that early Christians embraced cannibalism, right? And here's why. Because Jesus, that famous line that he shared, 
take and eat my body which is broken for you. So here we have a world that hates Jesus' followers, wants them dead, and completely misunderstands them. And before Jesus tells them what they're called, before Peter tells them what they're called to do, he's going to remind them of actually who they are. Because if you want to know what you're called to do, an understanding of who you are has to come first. And I want you to understand this morning that there, that you are exactly who Peter describes to these first century's believers. Who are you? I would love that song to play right now. Wouldn't that be cool? Who are you? You all know what song I'm talking about. Sinners. <laughs> first Peter 2, 9. First Peter chapter 2. We're moving through the book. When you have it, say amen. Good. First Peter says this. It's working now. Peter, Peter says this. For you are not like that. You are a chosen people. Ho. Oh, okay. He says you are royal priests. You are a holy nation. Who are you? You are God's very own possession. Who are you in Christ? If you're a Christian, if you're a Jesus follower, this is this is you. You are God's very own possession. For those of you who are followers of Christ, I want you to understand that you've been chosen by God to be in his family. You are a royal priest. And this would have meant so much to this first century Christian because they had a tremendous respect for what it meant to be a priest or the priesthood. And now they're going to be called the priesthood of believers, meaning now that actually they are actually ministers of God, although they haven't been formally trained as priests. Peter's telling them that you are a royal priest. And you're called to be different. You're called to be uncommon. You're called to make a difference, but they're not different alone. They're different together. They're part of a holy nation, as the word goes on to say. The kingdom of God. This world is not their own. Remember he said, this world is not your own. You're sojourners. You're passing through, but you're part of something broader and bigger of a people belonging to God, God's own possession. Their bodies are not their own. They've been purchased with the blood of Jesus. They belong to God. And since they belong to God, they're under his care. That's good news for the believer. They're under his goodness. That's who they are. He goes on to say, as a result, because you're a a priest, a nation, God's very own possession, you can show others the goodness of God. Read it. As a result of who you are, You can show others the goodness of God. When you know who you are, you'll know what you're called to do. What did God do? For God called you out of the darkness. Usually those words in yellow I want us to say together. So say it together. For he called you, right, out of the darkness into his wonderful light, We've been called, chosen, invited, however you want to look at it. We're no longer in the darkness. We are in the light. We, our lives have been transformed. We are not what we were. We're a new creation. The old is gone. Everything new has come. We've been transformed by the love of Christ. We've been set apart and called. And what I hope you'll understand this morning is that when you know who you are, you'll be, you will recognize what you're called to do. And the good news is 
that the skeptical world today doesn't like Christians. Typically, doesn't, but they don't call us superstitious, incestuous cannibals. At least I hope they know. It's a pretty rare interpretation if they do. Work with me, it's lonely up here, folks. But the bad news is there's a skeptical world today that looks at followers of Christ and calls us self-righteous, judgmental, intolerant, bigotry, bigots. And that's the world we live in and what we have to wrestle with today. And tragically, there are some so-called Christians, if I could say, who have rightly earned some of those titles. You can look at current events, and you know I would argue that that there are some very evil people spewing hate and bigotry in the name of God today. It's an affront to God, something that's unacceptable to the church, and it's actually a sin against God. And Peter's going to say the same thing to those first century Christians, that this is the image that we're up against here. And it's your uncommon daily calling, as we said, to represent Jesus to a skeptical world. And if you want to know what you're called to do, we'll look at a few verses. We first need to know who we are. We need to know who we are. When you know who you are, you'll see what you're called to do. First Peter, again, go to verse 11. Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. Here he goes again. This is, world is not our home. Remember how we see it. This is not our home. We're not from here. Therefore, you follow a different standard. Your standards are going to be a bit uncommon. But he says this, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful. Be careful, he says, to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. What did he do? He said, live, live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Notice Peter doesn't say here, hey, first convince them to believe like you believe. What he says here is we're going to show them by how we behave. We're going to show them what we believe by how we live. And he says to convince them to believe. We need to show them. Be careful. Live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Live honorably, he says. And I believe with all my heart that in today's culture, there are times that we, there are times that we need to start by professing the name of Jesus, right? Some people need it that plainly in front of them. But so often we have to earn that credibility first, right? Treating people with love, respect, grace, before we even earn the right to be heard. We need to show people what we believe by how we behave. And that builds this bridge across the skeptical people so that we can share with them the love of Jesus. In other words, before I tell you what I believe first, I'm going to show you in how I live. And I believe as Christians, this is so important. Jesus' followers, especially today, Peter, Peter essentially has this real confidence. It's confidence. Just live righteously, live 
boldly. Notice he isn't saying you just have to always be defensive and defending yourself. There is a time to defend the gospel. But Peter, you know, Peter isn't saying defend yourself at all costs. He's saying live right first. That's your first thing you do. Live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. And they will see your honorable behavior. You know, you ever hear the phrase, a best defense is what? A good offense. Good, some of you are still awake. Sometimes the best defense is a good offense. To show the goodness of God in the way that we actually live. Anybody in this room think that, that, that I ever get any criticism? Anybody believe, anybody believe from time to time that I ever get criticized? Criticism? Y'all believe that I get an email or two sometimes? Or text or phone call. You ever think that kind of? You ever think that people kind of poke fun or criticize what we do here as a family, as a group? You know, why do you guys do that? What do you mean? Do, have you ever heard or seen? I hope you haven't. And I try not to. Me get a, fe, a, a very defensive. Have you ever heard me? Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa! Stop right there. I promise you, we're not a cult. I promise. Or I put signs in the yard saying, hey, we're not, we're not this. We don't do that. Or people that would criticize me, I don't go, hey, I don't answer those emails typically with, with come on, man, I'm a nice guy. You, I really don't believe that stuff. Come on. I don't get in, and I, and I encourage you not to get in social media battles, defending, 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 defending. I see them. I see the threads. They go on and on and on and on and on and on. Stop it. You don't see me doing that. Don't don't get so defensive. Peter didn't say defend, defend, defend. In fact, the best defense is a good offense. So what we do is, as believers and as the leader of this church, instead of defending, defending, defending... I'm just going to say, you know what? This is who we are. This is who we are. And this is how we're moving forward. Positive light. We're saying, you know what? We're going to do this, and we're going to do it in the name of God, and that's what we're going to do. We're not going to defend like, please accept it. No, 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 no. We're going to stand on the Word of God and project and profess the love of God and move forward. not going to defend, defend, defend. Rather than defend the accusations, we're going to lead the way. How about this? You might recognize some of these terms. We're going to lead the way with hospitality. Because we believe it's truly that it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. We're going to continue to host events and give away food and meals to our community. We're going to recognize that we're not spiritual consumers. We're spiritual contributors. The church doesn't exist for us. We exist we are the church and we exist for the world. And this is what we're going to do. We're going to be perfectly loving. We're going to be all, we're going to try our best, right, to represent God in a, in a positive light to the world. But we're going to present opportunities to this outside world in hospitality. We're also going to be providing perfect opportunities for people to serve and be served here. We're going to disciple people into finding their purpose as Christians. 
We'll do everything we do here representing the God that we serve and the one that's redeemed us. We're going to do everything we can with excellence. And in case you didn't hear it, those four objectives or tenets in our church, it's right there. H-O-P-E. Those are our tenets. Hospitality, opportunity, purpose, and excellence. We're not going to be known as Jesus followers for what we're against. We're going to be known by what we are for and what we stand for. This will be our best defense, which is actually a really strong offense. Peter says this, live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. And then in verse 15, and I love this, he says, it's God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. It's not, it's the way you live. Your honorable lives, he says again. It's not what you post on social media. It's the way you live that silences the talk of people who simply don't know better. This word ignorant, right, is not, it's not, it's not, a, it's, it's not what you think, right? It's not condemning. It's just saying these people don't know any better. What's our strategy? Confidently, boldly sharing the love of Jesus. We will love irrationally, give out extravagantly, serve people faithfully, and do it over and over and over again. And we won't reach everyone, I know that. But over time, with consistency and integrity, we will reach some of our neighbors that he says, if we live uprightly, honorably, in a way that gets the attention of this world. And that's how we will silence the people who make foolish accusations against you. Remember the people Peter was writing to. Remember who he was living among. These people that would make foolish accusations that didn't make any sense and didn't have any real validity. He says, you know what? Don't go after those people. Don't be so defensive. In fact, live your life honorably. Just do what you do as a believer. He goes on to say in verse 21, For God called you to do good. You want to know what you're called to do? Peter uses this phrase, calling, called. You're called to do good. That's your calling. That's your calling. To do good, even if it means suffering, uh uh-oh, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example. And you must follow in His steps. Remember these people, people that Peter was writing to knew a thing about suffering. Good night, they were poured wax, wax on, strapped to a tree and lit on fire. They knew a thing or two about persecution and suffering. And Peter was writing to these people who would suffer in ways that go beyond our understanding even to wrap our head around. But in today's world, are you, are, you, are, you, are you experiencing some suffering? Do we? Yes. You may not get that promotion because you're living boldly for Jesus. You may not get invited to the party because you're living boldly for Jesus. The other students in your school might make fun of you because you're living boldly for Jesus. But continue to live with the love of Jesus because it's the right thing to do. And you continue to do good. It's what you're called to. 
He goes on to say that Jesus is your example and you must follow his steps. What was Jesus? He was loving, gentle, kind, full of grace. What was he not? Not arrogant, not condescending, never rude, never proud, never defensive. He was never hateful. Who was Jesus? The sinless son of God who loved the unlovable. He showed grace to those who were offensive. And this is how Peter described him. And feel the weight of these words as Peter describes the Savior. He never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He didn't retaliate when he was insulted. A couple verses ago he told us that he is our example, right? Jesus is our example. Well, okay, what did he do? I'll tell you what he didn't do. He didn't retaliate when he was insulted. I've seen some of your posts. Nor threatened revenge when he was suffered, when he when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. In fact, Jesus, he personally carried out carried our sins on his body on the cross. So that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you are healed. This is Jesus. This is the Son of God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. The one who never ever sinned and never retaliated when someone wronged him. And then Peter goes on and shows how we're called to be different. We're called to be uncommon. And people, there are, there are good people who do good things every day that aren't Jesus followers. Can we acknowledge that? Would we admit that this morning? There are good people in this world. I've met some people they do some good things. I've met some people who don't believe in God, don't like church, that do amazing and good things, and hats off, more power to them. But what Peter's about to say, though, takes faithfulness, obedience to a whole other level of uniqueness and being uncommon and different. Because what's normal is, normally, you may do something good and, and you may be a good person, right? There will be good people that aren't necessarily Jesus' followers. But Jesus goes on to say, when someone hurts you, normal is to hurt them back, right? When someone hates you, normal is to like, well, I hate them too. When someone wrongs you, normal says, you know what? I'm going to get them back. When someone's critical of you, it's normal to be critical back. Well, I don't like the way that you, well, yeah, you tie your shoes different. When someone, you know, cuts you off in traffic, you know, the normal thing to do is, well, whatever they do. And you know what they do, right? You're driving down the road, and maybe you make a mistake, and you cut someone off. What's the normal thing that they do, right? Peel the banana is what they do. Guys don't know what that means, do you? That's the normal thing. Sometimes being normal is not... Is I just take the bumper sticker off my car so I can do what I want to do to this person. Run them down, lay hands on them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's normal. Oh, you're so holy you don't you don't you don't you don't ever want to take the bumper sticker off. Okay, I'll preach to the, I'll preach to another crowd online that it might. That's why I don't have a bumper sticker on my car, and I always carry a hat with me so I can. No, 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 no. This is what Peter says you're called to do. And we'll close with this. 
Don't repay evil for evil, evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That's what God has called you to do. And he will grant you his blessing. Wait a second. Don't repay them with evil. But pay them back with a blessing. Don't retaliate. What are we called to do? Jesus says, when someone asks us to go a mile, we go to. Someone asks for our shirt, we give them our jacket too. We're called to be uncommon. And here's what I hope you'll understand. Y'all know what on call means? Someone that's on call. Anybody in this room, raise your hand if you've ever been on call. You know what on call means, right? In the back, I see you. On call, right? You're on call. You know what it means to be on call, especially in ministry. As a pastor, you know, we're, we're almost always on call because when there's an emergency, you need to be there for those who are hurting, right? In fact, I've partnered with other pastors in the area, like Len Powell. Shout out to Pastor Len over in Sharpsville. Um, and we kind of have this agreement that, you know, if, if he can get somewhere quicker than I can, he'll go. And if I'm near, like, Pittsburgh or something like that, and I can get there quicker, then I'll go. You know, we're ministers in this thing together. But we're on call. And what I hope you'll understand as a follower of Christ, that you're on call. This is your challenge this morning. You are on call. And if you're a follower of Christ and you know who you are and you're chosen by God, you're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, you're a people belonging to God, and you're on call to love someone when it's needed. You're on call to give to someone who has need. You're on call to show the love of Christ when it's not popular. You're on call. Remember I mentioned the yearbook class earlier, right? Randy, you can come up. Oftentimes, I would, I saw the benefit of yearbook class. I wasn't really that interested in being a photographer. But what I did see was the opportunity to get out of class. My motives weren't always pure. And so I would need to get out of class to shoot a particular assignment, right? The football team would have to leave early, the baseball team, the golf team would be somewhere that I needed to go with them. And so I would get out of class, and my teacher would write on a little piece of paper, right? He would write on it, and it would say, hall pass. Remember that? You would get the hall pass. When everybody else was in class, it would say, hall pass, yearbook, and my name. And it would give me permission to go wherever I needed to go. Wherever I needed to go, I had the hall pass. And I would walk out of class, and I would walk by those doors where my other friend, loser friends were. Remember the little window? And I would look in and I would go. They're in there taking that last test, doing that last, and I was like, suckers. But I'd walk by and I'd stop and I'd be put my hall pass and I'd put it in my back pocket right beside my hairbrush that stuck out a little. This was the 80s, remember? But I'd walk right by with that hair, that, that, that hall pass. And if any teacher would say, hey, young man, you know, we had those teachers. What are you doing out of class? What are you doing out of class? And I'd be, I would just say, you know what? 
I'm on assignment. I'm on assignment. I've, I've got permission. I've, got, I've, I've been called on assignment. I got to go. I'm doing something important. I got my hall pass. And what I hope you'll understand this morning, in a matter of speaking as Christians, as Jesus followers, you've got a hall pass. It's called the living word of God. It tells you who you are. It tells you what you're called to do. And it's telling you where you're called to go. Anytime the devil tells you that you can't and you're not important and you're not good enough, you say, no, 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 no. (laughs) I've been called and chosen by God for an assignment. And it says right here, devil, that I'm a holy nation. I'm a royal priest and I belong to God who put me on assignment. And I don't just have an assignment, this temporary calling. I have a daily assignment to live uncommon. I daily let the light of Jesus shine in this dark world. I daily show the love of God. What are you called to do? Remember who you are. So that when someone can't get her yard mowed, guess what? You got a mowing ministry. Boom, you're on call in the mowing ministry. If you're in the grocery store and someone in front of you is a little bit short to pay for their groceries, you got an extra 20 bucks, guess what? You just got in the grocery ministry. Because you're on call. You're on call to show and live uprightly among your neighbors is what the word just told us. You're on call. If there's someone being bullied and, and, and being, being teasing someone, guess what? You know what? You're on call. Church, you're on call. This is what you're called to do. You're on call. Look at your neighbor. I would, I would say sho- shove your neighbor. Well, we can't do that now, right? Just look at your neighbor and say, you're on call. There's a few of you. There's a few of you. Look back at your neighbor that you chose the first time. Look at your other neighbor that was your second choice and say, I'm on call. I'm on call. You might not be able to get out of the building today without praying for someone. You may not be able to go to your next meal without finding somebody who's in need. Why? Because you're on call. You're on assignment. You have the pass. God says, here's my word. You're on call, sir. You're on call, call, miss. Remember, the best defense is a good offense. Live boldly and uprightly, the word says. Live properly among your neighbors. Don't get caught up in all that worldly stuff. Knock it off. You're on call. Would you stand this morning? When they laugh, we love. When they criticize, we love. When they get in a war on social media, we're above that, we love. Why? Because Jesus, the sinless Son of God, did not retaliate, the Word just told us. He's our example. He bore our sins in His body so that we could have eternal life. And God says we've been called out of darkness into His marvelous light, one translation says. 
And this light needs to shine into a dark world. and needs to be uncommon. The darker it is, the brighter His light shines. That's who you are. And when you know who you are, you'll know what to do. Pray with me. Father.